Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel J. Alongside me, Big Blue. Hey, what's going, going on, everybody? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Enjoying the Saturday. Awesome, awesome. It's Sunday, but it is what it is. Um, we got a little bit of breaking, not so much breaking news, but we got some new news coming out uh, from a family member of Ethan Chapin. Ethan was one of the four uh, unfortunate victims that were taken on November 13, 2022, uh, students of the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. <clears throat> Before we get into it, guys, I want to remind you guys, please hit that like and subscribe button. You know, some folks like to help the channel out. They want to help promote it. There's a couple ways you can do it if you want to support the channel and donate. We have our cash app down there. It's cash app, the little dollar sign, Drunk Turkey Show. But another way you can support the channel is just by hitting that like button and ringing that subscribe uh, and ringing that notification bell. That way you're notified of all our content. You know, this type of stuff usually typically does get demonetized just because of the nature of the content and, you know, because of the words that are said and the descriptions that are made. And so, you know, you it would really help us out if you would hit that like button and uh, support the show, hit the algorithm going. But with that being said, let's get into this. So this there's a new article that just was released earlier today. Uh, this is coming out of Daily Mail. It is titled Family of Idaho Victim Ethan Chapman Question Why Surviving Roommate Dylan Mortensen Didn't Call the Cops After Hearing Crying and Screaming and Claimed She Called All the Other Girls in the House rather than 911. All right, so let's get into this. Let's uh review this. We'll talk about that. Forgive all the ads around it. It is what it is. This goes a family member of the uh victim University of Idaho student Ethan Chapman has questioned why the roommate has who survived the slings didn't call police. And I can't believe to belong to Ethan's sister-in-law made several posts online before the arrest affidavit was unsealed for the suspect in the quadruple uh incident brian coberger so these were posts made before the affidavit was unsealed meaning before the information was out right yeah so so let's go through this the court document detailed how surviving roommate dylan mortensen came face to face with the masked man the night of the incident his sister-in-law Oh, I'm sorry. Ethan, 20, his girlfriend, Zana Carnotal, 20, and uh, Maddie Mogan, 21, and Kaylee, 20, were all taken as they slept in the house on November 13th. His sister-in-law has since revealed that Dylan, who was in the property at the time of the incident, along with Anthony Funk, called the roommates after she heard screaming and crying from their rooms. Posting in a Reddit, she said, D supposedly called the girls in the house after crying and screaming, stop, no one answered. She still didn't call the police. Three months ago. Now, this is the uh, this is a snippet of the post. Uh, it is verified. So um, Reddit goes and does their thing to uh, figure out who this person is. And apparently this was verified. And this was three months ago prior to. The probable cause or the arrest affidavit, I'm sorry, being released. So this is information that wasn't known to anybody yet. Now. What this is bringing out or the new information that is coming out about this is that she heard screaming, which makes a little bit more sense as to, you know, you, you know, you read the, um, you know, the airmail article, just, you know, talking about the injuries that were sustained to the, uh, the victims there. 
you, you hear that, uh, you know, you read the probable cause affidavit that talked about, you know, Dylan Mortensen hearing some things. Uh, perhaps they weren't as descriptive on the probable cause affidavit or, or left out a lot of the stuff that she stated that she had heard. Um, you know, and you had what sounded like, uh, you know, a source that came to on, on uh, News Nation uh, stating that Ethan um, was third and, and Zana was the last to be attacked and that um, there was the defensive wounds were severe for Zana, that there was a, a big fight that went down. And you, you don't understand, you know, how there couldn't be screams, right? Yeah. Well, according, according to this situation here, this uh, post here, there was screams. She heard the screams after she saw the guy and after the screams went away, instead of calling the police, she called the roommates in the house. Yeah. All right. All right. And so roommates didn't answer. She still doesn't call the police. Let's see what it says. She needs to explain herself and her actions that night. When questioned who did call the police, she added 911 caller with a friend who went in because D called him to come over because she was scared from what she heard that night. Now, I have a source. But it's told me, I, don't, I, I mean, I can't, I can't bet it. I can't verify it, but I can say that this source has some information pretty close to the, to, to some people close to this situation. That the, uh, the person that was called over in this situation was, um, was Hunter. It wasn't Ethan's brother, Hunter. It was a different Hunter and I'll leave it at that. You guys can put y'all's two and two together to figure out who that was. Yeah. The affidavit revealed that Morrison came face to face with the bushy eyebrowed uh, suspect, but was spared along with Funk. Now, what were you going to say, Big Blue? I said, um, we're good. We're good. All right. So Mortensen told police that she heard several scuffles throughout the night and opened her door when she saw a suspect dressed in black with a mask covering his face and heard one of her housemates say, there's someone here. She also heard the suspect say, it's okay, I'm here to help you, as he wandered the house committing the atrocity. Police confirmed that the 911 call was made from a phone from one of the surviving roommates at 11.58 a.m. who requested help from an unconscious person, though it has not been confirmed who spoke to the police. Uh, in my suspicion, or from what I've heard, it was Hunter. Uh, it has raised the question of why Mortensen didn't contact authorities sooner with some arguing that she may have been frozen by fear. I mean, she wasn't frozen to the point where she contacted every single person in that house or at least attempted to. So why not call the police? Yeah, I mean, if nobody called you back or answered and you heard some screaming, then um, I would have called you know, or gone to go check on them at least. Right, knocked right. on a few doors. So I don't get that, but, you know. Oh, and also, I think I do need to clarify this. My source that told me about the uh, this issue, this possibility of the person who was called over and it being Hunter was not or is not Kim, some, somebody completely different, 100%. And so uh, I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that for those that are wondering who it might be. It, it is not Kim. Uh, Kim wasn't aware of any of that information. <clears throat> uh, I think Kim thinks it was uh, sorority girls that were contacted first. So it's yeah. a completely different story. Um, all right. So 
911 caller was a friend who went in because D called him to come over because she was scared from what she had heard the night in the night. He went to X and E rooms first and then called 911. Why D or B didn't call the police once uh, the police once is the question. X and E were in her room. So these are uh, statements from the Reddit post from the sister-in-law that has been verified uh, referencing this this incident. Now, they have a little snippet from the uh, probable cause affidavit saying the DM stated that she looked out of her bedroom but did not see anything when she heard the comment of someone being in the house. DM stated she opened the door a second time when she heard what she thought was crying coming from Cronoldo's room. DM then stated she heard a male voice saying something to the effect, it's okay, I'm here to help you. The roommate did not contact authorities for six hours despite hearing several of her roommates in distress as well as witnessing uh, the actor. Mortensen told cops she was awoken around 4 a.m. But what sounded like a victim, uh, like victim Kaylee Goncalves playing with her dog on the third floor bedroom. She says she looked out her room but didn't see anything, looked again on the second occasion when she thought Zana Cronoda was crying. Mortensen stated that she opened her door for the third time after she heard the crying and saw a figure, figure clad in black, clothing and a mask covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. After the man moved towards her, she said that the roommate that she remained frozen in shock phase as he continued past her, but let her survive. The online discussion also dissect, dissected where the bodies were found with the relative, adding that both Zan and Ethan were found in her room. This goes over basically the probable cause affidavit that states DM stated she opened the door for the third time after hearing crying and saw a figure in clad black clothing mask covered the person's mouth and nose mouth and nose walking toward her. DM described a figure as five foot ten or taller, not very muscular, but athletically built, bushy eyebrows. The male walked past DM and as she stood frozen in shock, the male walked towards the back sliding glass door. DM locked herself in her room. All right, so it goes, Ethan's mother has also urged the urged those affected by this tragedy to instead look ahead as a suspect makes his way through the courts. Stacy Chapman said that nothing has changed since the Koberger's arrest and that um, and that mourners should direct their anger elsewhere. It comes with, it comes after sources told News Nation that Zana fought back against her attack and repeatedly grabbed the, the knife used in the attacks. Sources claimed that her fingers were nearly severed from the student trying to fight back with her, with her father, Jeffrey Canodal, giving the same information back in November. He told CBS5 that the autopsy report showed that his daughter's skin showed bruises torn by the knife. The FBI has also been forced to deny losing the suspect, uh, the suspected quadruple um, killer just moments after he left the apartment in Pullman, Washington with his father, Michael, to return home to Pennsylvania. All right. And so this just kind of goes into the different parts of the uh, story there and where he was at. And, and, and whatnot. So but the main focus or the main part of this situation is. Was there more than, you know, what we're hearing and understanding? And if so, if she was able to contact her friends or try to call her friends, why not call the police? Big Blue, do you, have, you know, you're in the medical field. You've probably seen and, you know, dealt with people in shock for various reasons. Do you think that somebody in shock could contact the people that she contacted, frozen in fear, but, you know, have an explanation for not calling the police? 
Man, it's hard to describe, and I don't, I don't think they should be in shock for maybe for a little bit, right when it happened. But she she came out of shock and started calling them. And right. She she started reacting at that time, and for her not to get any responses back from the roommates, and you know maybe go knock on a door. She knew that the by her story she knew that the he had left so it probably would have been safe to go check on her friends i would agree to that man you know i i think at the very least you know um the other thing is she contacted her friends right uh somebody close somebody that lives near and you know to come over or whatnot and you know, because she was scared of what she had seen, basically, right? You know, so from what I understand is she's woken up, right, at 4 a.m. from the sounds of what she believes is Kaylee playing with a dog. And then um, she hears some some screams. She hears some crying. She walks, she looks out the door a couple times. And on the third time, she sees somebody walking towards her. She believes he walks outside, but maybe perhaps doesn't know for a fact that he has left. So she stays in her room in fear, calls all of her friends that are are roommates, but still doesn't choose to call the police, even though she's afraid. I mean, it doesn't say that she, I mean, it it doesn't say what the response was from the roommate that survived. I guess she didn't answer either. Perhaps she did. Maybe, maybe, perhaps she did hear. Maybe she, maybe Bethany did answer. Yeah. And maybe Bethany answering maybe made her think that, well, maybe, you know, somebody else did answer the phone inside the house, right? Yeah. Do you think maybe that could have given her a false present, a false sense of security? You know, wakes up, smells the rotten smell, you know, the blood smell. The blood smell, yeah. It's like, oh, crap, maybe something else did happen. Maybe something more did happen. Contacts yeah. a friend to come over, right? Now, people start getting word because, you know, rumors spread like wildfire. Story gets bigger. By the time it gets to other people, it's it's a different story, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you would think um, even if their friend lived close by, it might still take 10, 20 minutes for him to get there, her to get there. If, if it is Hunter, he, he was there. No, no, no. If, if it was, if it was indeed Hunter, from what I understand, he he lives next door. Okay. In the gray building that is right next door, between the house that was suspected to be uh, uh, Adams and uh, oh yeah, that's right, and JD's, right. And so, um, from my understanding, is he lives right next door. So, if he woke up and was called, he's just a short walk away. If it ends up being him, I'm. I'm not entirely sure. I'm just speculating on that, so don't take that and run with it. Uh, but that's what I understand. So, yeah, it's it could be maybe Bethany did answer and, and gave her gave a false her a, sense of security. Yeah, somebody answered me, but the rest are knocked out asleep. You know, right? And Bethany was on the first floor beneath Dylan, from what I understand. So nobody was a Nobody was on, you know, the person that was on top of her room on the second floor was was Bethany. And I think the. uh, 
the third floor right on top of Bethany. I mean, um, not Bethany, Dylan, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I think that would have been Madison's room yeah, where the girls were attacked. So it would have happened right above her and right outside uh, that bedroom. You know what? I, I want to make sure. I want to be 100% accurate. So let's pull this up real quick and then we'll call it a show. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so this is the entrance. And let's see. Is Bethany in this room? Is this Bethany's room? Bedroom 1B. This bedroom was vacant. And so she was over here. Bedroom 1A. I believe this is where Bethany was at. What are these pictures? All right. I've seen that picture before. Confirmed as Bethany's room. All right. So this is where Bethany was. Go upstairs. So Bethany is like right under here, bedroom one A below. It's it's down here. It's actually below uh, this loft area. Yeah. All right. So it's not even below Dylan's bedroom back here. And let's go to the other rooms. We'll go upstairs. All right, so we're up here. This would be the room on top of, and this is Kaylee's room, so third bedroom. So, no, they were over here in, in uh, Madison's room, catty corner. So it's possible, based on where Bethany was, way down at the bottom and in the direction that she was at, that she wouldn't have heard anything, right? Yeah. And so there's that possibility that, that Dylan calls her. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I didn't hear anything. And... They go, you know, she she gets a false sense of security, right? Yeah. And um, you know, enough for her to be like, all right, maybe maybe I just saw somebody's friend who left, yeah. right? He said it's okay. I'm I'm gonna help you. I mean, I don't know, man. Those screams and everything else that's involved with it, it's it's question it's questionable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're not gonna be like screams because they were screaming. Right, exactly. You know, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt in all this because she is a victim and perhaps, you know, she's also a young victim. She's not, you know, very experienced in life. She's like 20 years old, maybe 19, something of that nature. Uh, you know, first time living on her own. Uh, it's possible that, you know, everybody reacts differently. I, I don't want to victim shame anybody and try to give you know, uh, especially somebody who the police don't think is a suspect. You know, that's the one thing that we have to remember here is that the pol police don't find her to be a, a suspect. I'm, I almost guarantee you, based on her story and what she said, that the police were highly suspicious of her early on in this investigation. And with that suspicion and all that stuff around it, they still were able to clear her. That tells me that... Um, <clears throat> You know, uh, she probably wasn't involved, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when it comes to a case like this, right, the closer the person is to the circle of the people who had passed, 
the faster or easier it usually is to find somebody, right? The further away they are from that circle, the harder it is. For instance, friend, family, boyfriend, spouse, husband, girlfriend, wife, those are close circle roommates, right? Friends would be a little bit further away. Uh, uh, Somebody random that nobody knows about would be outside of the circle. And so, you know, it would be much more difficult to find. So the longer that this progressed and the fact that the police were in contact and in touch with the roommates, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, just kind of made me think that, you know, these people probably are not involved. And so I'm trying to give her the best benefit of the doubt with that information in hand. That doesn't mean that, you know, perhaps maybe, you know, there's more to this story. I don't know. But the police have cleared her. And so I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and think that perhaps she started calling. And one of those calls was Bethany and she answered and reassured her that, you know, everything's fine. Went to sleep, probably, you know, under the influence of alcohol. I believe everybody that was living in that house that night had been out that night, possibly consuming alcohol at one place or another. And, you know, went back, fell asleep, woke up smelled what she smelled and you know called called somebody somebody over to help you know because she was afraid of what she might find yeah yeah i mean uh, that's a big uh, possibility uh, there's one way they'll be able to find and clarify this part of the story later is uh, i'm pretty sure the police will have phone records and they'll oh, check yeah, that out sure they'll check it out and you know 100 percent. um and th- that's probably why they've cleared her you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's probably why they've cleared her. And, you know, in my opinion, somebody else came in, made, you know, saw what they saw, called the police. You know, by the description of the police arriving on scene, they've stated they saw, you know, some people out there. And so somehow those rumors spread out. Yeah. And that's something that occurred. And, you know, it's, just a sad story all the way around and, and there is and there should be um because most apartments i mean i've seen the videos that they have them the body cam video and they'll show who was there when they pulled up so oh, they'll have sure. that evidence to see who was who it was and because the, for sure there should have been at least three people there that i know uh, the two surviving roommates and then the one gentleman that we know of they made the phone call made the phone call and other than that who knows who else was there true story true story time will tell time will tell but we thought we'd share this information with you guys and let you guys be aware that there's there is people close to the family that are questioning some statements here now don't forget there was a time before i let everybody go where there was a video there that steve was talking um, Steve Gonzalez was talking to a reporter and they were talking about, you know, who do you think did that? And he goes, well, she got a strong alibi. You know what I mean? And they were talking about maybe finding out what the alibis were or whatnot. But he said something to the effect, she has a strong alibi. And so I don't know, maybe they were aware of something like this story. Clearly, Ethan Chapin's uh, sister-in-law was aware of something like this, you know, of what had happened or had occurred prior to the arrest affidavit being released. And so, uh, 
Yeah, perhaps they were aware of it too, and that was the question that they had as well. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for watching. Please, before you go, hit that like and subscribe button on your way out. Uh, support the show. We appreciate you guys. We'll be live tomorrow night, Monday night, 730. We're going to be talking Delphi. We're going to be on with uh, a crime, a criming, criming shame. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Criming shame. Sorry about that. I apologize, y'all. Criming shame. And they have a, uh, a, pro a criminal profile on their panel. So we're going to be talking to them, uh, to three of the wonderful people that are on that podcast. And um, what is it? Sonny, Aspen, and Oh man, the, the criminal profile. You know her name. What's her name? I'm, I'm trying to remember her name. I just talked to her today too on email. Azaz, I'm so bad with names. I apologize, y'all. But they'll be on tomorrow night. Don't want to miss it. So ring that notification bell. Uh, we're going to be talking about Richard Allen and the Delphi case. Be, and I am uh, on. So I'll have some drinks. Yeah. I'll be drinking it up with you, Big Blue. We'll have a good time. Hopefully, Hyman will be able to be able to join us. Y'all have a safe night and a great weekend, y'all. Yeah, I'll be safe, out. guys. Peace. I don't know how long.